Hello and welcome to The Ornithology Presents, The Cruise Cast. We're in season two, Ben. What are we doing this season? Tom Cruise films. All of them in order. Where are we up to? 2011. Mission Impossible, Chapter 4. Subtitle, Ghost Protocol. What is a ghost protocol, Ben? Well, we'll come to that. Yeah, we will. When we did Mission Impossible 3, we were both kind of surprised that that was J.J. Abrams' first feature film as a director. Feature film, yeah, not just his yeah. first project ever. No, 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 of course He had done a lot of TV. And... and that worked out pretty well for them. He had talked about coming back and doing Mission 4, but uh, Star Trek came a call in. And you don't turn down the call from Star Trek when you're a I'm, big... I'm, I'm relieved about, actually, you're for lots geek. of reasons. Yeah. Um, so they thought, well, look, let's let's carry on down this route of getting new directors in. So they gave it to Brad Bird, who had never directed a live-action feature film before either. But really? he had worked on some projects you may be familiar with, Alex. Go ahead, tell me. Have you... I think I know the answer to this before I even ask it. Have you ever heard of a little TV show called The Simpsons? Whoa, whoa. Yeah, certainly have. Brad Bird was there at the beginning, in the golden period. Yeah, before um, Skinner wasn't Skinner. Have you ever heard of an animated film called The Iron Giant? Certainly one of my favourite animated movies. You've got Brad Bird to thank for that. Right. He also directed one of the best superhero movies ever made. Certainly the best Fantastic Four film ever made. The Incredibles. The Incredibles, yeah. Oh, yeah. A perfect yeah. film, in my opinion. Yeah, I know. Lots of people say that um, it's the best animated film. I'd say it transcends the genre. Uh, it's one of the best movies of it's, all time. It's, it's, it's just It's so brilliant. well it's put together. Character development is excellent. There's so much in it that's great. So, perfect movie. But yeah, it's in terms of storytelling, it's almost flawless. And he also directed Ratatouille, which is... Again, deceptively intelligent movie. Again, great, great writing. And uh, so last week we did Night and Day. Oh yeah, which see, I'd already forgotten it. I forgot yeah, it. I genuinely totally forgettable. forgot it. We said it was totally forgettable. We just uh, uh, what we were saying, the, the criticism we were leveling at it, as as well as just saying, look, it's fun, it's bubblegum, despite it, its funness. What it what it lacks is in its storytelling. And it moves around pretty locations. You've got pretty people in pretty locations. That's it. That's not unfair to say of Mission Impossible 4. The difference, great storytelling, mm-hmm. excellent character development in very short scenes, actually. Yeah, yeah. Like surprisingly, like one or two minutes just telling you about somebody's backstory. And it, you don't feel cheated, which is really rare. Yeah. So you take something like Fast and the Furious, which is not comparable in terms of storytelling at all. It may be in terms of the intensity of action. Scale and action. Scale and action, it's comparable. Um, But you'll get like five, six minutes of backstory and you don't feel any any more for the character than you did at the beginning. Maybe less. It's just five or six minutes of people saying, family. Family. Family? Yeah, Yeah, family. Yeah, family. Why do we have to do this? Because family. All right. I don't want to bother trying to create suspense after the suspenseful film that I've just sat through, right. I'm just going to say this is the best mission that we've done. It, 100% it, it, agree. It surpasses 100%. the first film for me. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the only way that I hesitate to say it's better and it surpasses 
is is because of it being of its time. Uh, there is no way that Tom Cruise could have made this film back then. Of course not, no. Um, and all of the growth, it's it's like the evolution of the Mission Impossible franchise had to go here. And I'm so glad it did. So, yeah, it's the better film. You just put them side by side, it's the better film. But if you look at the eras that they were done in, they're equal. Do you see yeah. what I mean? Well, I think like, what I love about Ghost Protocol, I mean, there's there's so much I love about it because... I love this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I know that I'm not alone in that. No, no, no. It's it is the it is the best mission film. It's taken everything so far in the franchise, and it just refines it and refines it yeah. and refines it down to something approximating art. I mean, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen this film many times. Yeah. There was still l- long sequences in this film where I was barely breathing. Yeah. And Isn't that, that weird? That's brilliant. It's brilliant. Filmmaking. I mean, we've yeah. only really said that on films like Predator and T Two, which we've both seen loads of times. Yeah. This is only the, the second time I've seen this film, and yeah, I was gripped. I had forgotten a lot of what happened, and, and also forgotten how gripped I was. Um, so I'm not going to jump ahead and talk about which bits because I feel like for this film, because there's so much for us to get through, mm-hmm. it's super important. We just let's just try and go through in order. Not necessarily scene by scene, but no, we may try and cover. Scene, but the, we, the but major we may beats. cover each scene because yeah. I I think I've written a note for almost every scene. But there are, there are really nice reveals throughout this film, and that's not to say that there are major twists, but there are teasers and payoffs, uh, characters new and old coming in, and it's nice to experience those in order. I think yeah. so. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it would almost be a spoiler to say some of the people that are in this film, but the the key cast is obviously Cruz, Jeremy Renner making his first appearance in the franchise, yeah. the Pegsters back, in in full force. Like this yeah. was the role he should have had actually on the last movie, almost. But yeah, but again, Ving talking about it. talking about development, he it's it's nice actually because how do you Super take nice. This dork from behind a desk, this yeah. nerd, and put him in action. What's he going to do in action? And that's what you see. And they make it work. They it's do. Not, it's, it's not, not too not, silly. No, it's not too silly. And it's like, it's it's like, how would you make Simon Pegg a field agent? This is it. This is how you do it, and make it believable. So yeah, he's a he's a desk nerd. He's an IT geek, but he's like he says in the van, I, I passed my field exam and. And Tom Cruise like gives him a look and he goes, I know, crazy, right? Yeah. But it's like, there's so much in this movie. And again, without skipping to the end, but it does it does go all the way through, the, through right to the end, that says, we're not going to pretend like we don't know what we are. We're going to tell you we know what we are and we're going to make it cool anyway. Yeah. And they did that with the final, one of the final lines of Mission Possible 3, when uh, Julia, is that his wife? Hmm. Michelle Monaghan? Tom Cruise says, I work for IMF. And yeah. What does what it stand, that stand for? for? Yeah, uh, Impossible Mission Federation. What? Force. 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 Man, four films in and you don't even know. What's going no, on? But, and she laughs and he's like, no, really, it's a, it's a stupid name. But that's, what, that's the point I'm trying to make. And I think this film takes that to a whole other level. And, and then it says... No, we're get, we know it's ridiculous, but we're going to make you want to take it seriously. It's great. Paula Patton is the first 
really fierce female member of the oh team, I think. God, Maggie Q awesome. was good. Paula yeah, Patton's good. better. Yeah, but and Maggie Q had a token part. Um, Paula Patton's part is much more rounded. Yeah. Much more rounded. It's, it's the it's equal to Simon Pegg's, you know, and Jeremy yeah. Renner's actually. I was as inspired by her character as I have been by Ethan Hunt's character across all the films. So that's cool. saying something. And then filling out the bad guy roles, we've got Michael Nykvist, um, yep. sadly deceased earlier this year. Oh, shame. Uh, from the original Dragon Tattoo films and uh, John Wick, the first John Wick film. He was the big bad in that. And and I was going to say Lea Seydoux as well. Yeah. Uh, Lea Seydoux, yeah. Fantastic she's a, actress. Uh, I agree. Uh, what do we know her from, Ben? She was one of um, Monsieur Le Padit's uh, daughters in the prologue of Inglourious Bastards, but she's yeah. probably most famous for Blue is the Warmest Colour, the French yes. romantic movie. Yeah. That's that's giving it short shrift, but uh, yeah, a, a, an incredible actress and very, very beautiful as well. What I was going to say about uh, Michael Nyquist is mm-hmm. he's so reminiscent of uh, Skarsgård. Right the, from the yeah, there's Thor a comparable quality from, for sure. Yeah, 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 and but there's a part of me that kind of wishes they'd swap them out. I love Skarsgård, but mm. there's something a tiny bit like a bit comical. Like I can't take him as seriously as I can take Michael Nyquist. Do you know what I mean? It might be He's, unfair to say that, but well, Skarsgård has has had more opportunity to show his comic chops. That's for sure, especially in the Thor films. That said, Nightfist is pretty funny in John Wick. I know what you mean, though. They've got that those same kind of very characterful face. They're kind yeah. of ugly handsome. Yeah, yeah, right. Ugly handsome. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's a nice thing to say. Uh, speaking of nice things to say, before we get into it, because we really haven't got into it yet. Uh, unless, if we are we done with the cast? Have we got any well, other the, mentions? <clears throat> the the guest of honor, as it has become in these films, Tom yeah. Wilkinson as the Secretary of IMF. Yes. In one scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think it was good. One scene, it's 30 an seconds. Scene, uh, uh, 30 seconds. Uh, and he has an interesting departure. Uh, another, another honourable mention, just because I really like him. And I think it feels really unfair that he's not either made a break into his own lead in an action film or or somehow got into the Marvel Universe. Oh, I know he's certainly got say. the face for it. It's Josh Holloway. Yeah, Sawyer um, from Lost. Sawyer from Lost. I think he's probably one of the best things about it. It's not just his look. He, I think about he's Lost. A... You mean not about this film? Yeah, yeah, about yeah, Lost. Yeah, he's about Lost. Um, it's not <laughs> I just think there his are look. Many I mean, he's women certainly an attractive man. I think that's partly it. But I think he's got so much more to offer than the roles he's been given. But I'd like, lo- I'd love to see him take on the lead in a in a future film. And uh, yeah, I don't know why he hasn't either, because he's got a huge uh, fan base, especially among women, yeah. and um, and that normally would convert to, well, let's give him a go. So that takes us to the prologue, because I think it he's does. pretty much the first thing we see in this film. It does. I'm just going to, before we get into it, uh, you just said um, Ugly Handsome, yeah. which is like, I guess, damning with faint praise or fainting with... Shit praise. I meant it as praise. Uh, exactly. Um, and I, we have been praised on the internets, on the interwebs. Say what, Alex? Yeah. The, uh, the person who posted it is called McGrain. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, you know them. No. You, no. Um, I'm not sure exactly what 
her whole deal is, but um, she has uh, given some recommendations for podcasts here. And amongst them, there is one called The Ornithology. But we come into the category Other Stuff. She's yeah. got like boxing podcasts, football podcasts, but we come under Other Stuff. Miscellaneous. Yeah. This is what she says about The Ornithology. This is a bit mad, but basically, these two weirdos watch Ron Schwarzenegger films <laughs> and talk about them. Every single one, in order. Sounds like it should be shit. Yeah. And they're not even properly experts in film, but it's really quite good. And I ended up going back and watching old Arnie movies, which is cool. Is that... Is that... It's the greatest, it's the greatest review I could ever have wished for, if I'm yeah, honest. I, I wish... Because what I like about that, yeah. it's not sycophantic, it's not saying, hey, good job. It's, no. it's actually... Cut into the quick of what we are. Yeah. Two people who don't really know what they're talking about, no. but have decided to spend hundreds of hours talking about it anyway. Yeah, in opinionated and forthright ways as well. But like, the most literally thing, giving iconic actors of cinema history advice. Yeah. Advice on their careers, what they should and shouldn't have done. The most important thing there is that it made her want to go and watch Arnie movies again. And yeah. uh, that's that means we've done our job. Really? Yeah. I, I my bank to, account hasn't changed at all. Like, I want people to hear this and find enough in our conversation to go, I want to watch that film again now. Yeah, except for a few a few exceptions. There are some that I'd be really happy if they listened to this and said, I will never watch that film again. Or I, I'm glad I listened to this first. Because well, those two weirdos were amusing and uh, have have helped me to make a decision not to watch Batman and Robin. Anyway, it's positive. So thank you very yeah. much, McGrain, Thanks for that. I'd I'd love it. I'd love it if we had actually some more iTunes reviews, like more than the zero that we have. <laughs> I mean, that would be great. So anyone out there who, whether you hate hate us or like it, leave a leave a one star review just so you can say something about us. Or, or five star, five stars would be great. But, yeah, I'd rather you left a five star review and slagged us off than left a one star review and said, "Just kidding, you're great." Yeah, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's better. Yeah, give us five stars for effort. The, the fucking sympathy vote. Yeah, let's, let's get yeah. that. Yeah, get and that then write whatever you want. The good right. attendance award. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Anyway, okay. We were talking about Josh Holloway before that, so we were. The film opens with Josh Holloway legging it across a rooftop. Jumping off, capping some great. balls. Yeah, he really and you does can't, look you're the think, part. And you're thinking, this is an IMF agent. And you're also thinking, you I hope he's away. a character that continues. Well, sadly, he no. dies. <laughs> no, he does. In seconds. He does this awesome jump off the roof. I mean, I am going to go into the, the tech in every scene. And every single scene has cool tech. He has what is about the size of a like a portable hard disk. And he throws it off the roof ahead of himself. It's beeping. He jumps off the roof, turns around, both guns, bang, 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 bang at the people Trinity chasing style. Him. Trinity style, exactly. And this uh, air mattress just <laughs> blows up and he lands on it. It's perfect. Great. Gutting if it had bounced and the air yeah. mattress just appears <laughs> 20 feet away. Yeah. Spot. Although ultimately, the same outcome. But then... He he gets distracted. He he gets up, starts starts walking off. Sees Leia Sedu. Who's she? She's a distracting beautiful. figure for sure. Yeah. But then beep 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 beep. 
Assassin alert! On his phone. Yeah. Too late. She's put three in him already. And then she and she kind of gives him a hug. And then gives him another two, another two shots, just just for good measure. And then it's off to prison we go. We haven't had the uh, the opening credits yet. We're Not still yet. we're still in pre credit sequence. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And we get something that we haven't had for a little while: an iconic Tom Cruise entrance. I disagree. I think we had one on the last the last one. On night I think day. on night and day, yeah, just opening shot of Cruise in that. It's always some, you know. This is it's bad. not as cool. This, it's totally better. We haven't had it in a long time. You're right. We haven't mentioned it in a long time. He tends to get a good opening shot, but Valkyrie, man, that was a good opening shot. Yeah, all right. But yes, this was like picturesque. You Steve just, McQueen in The yeah. Great Escape, bouncing something it. around That's the walls from is. his bed. Except it's not even a squash ball or a baseball or anything a, like that. It's a rock and rock. You know he's got to be throwing it hard. And the thing is, is that you know that Tom Cruise is doing that for real. Yeah, you I, know. I, yeah. Totally. No question. I mean, it might actually be a squash ball or a squishy rock-like thing. Nope. Rocks don't bounce very well, It's man. a rock. <laughs> okay, I'll let you believe it. I'll let you have it. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then just, I think straight away what this does, if the if the Josh Holloway scene is quite... Um, you know, tense and you know we're in we're in action spyland here. What the prison sequence gives you is this is the actual tone of the film now. It's going to be really slick, yeah, and really well shot, but it's always going to have that thin thread of comic presentation that Brad Bird brings from his other work. There's yeah, always something comic... amusing in every scene, but but that's. I would say that that's comic in terms of animated. Yeah, right? definitely. Trying to do with live action what you would want to do in an animated version of Mission Impossible and get away with that. I'd say also comic as in comic book. Yeah. So the, the way it's shot, um, it's very panel-like, yeah. you know, and each shot is like that. And you could you could feasibly just take this film shot for shot and turn it into a graphic novel well, very easily. Um, it's beautiful, beautifully shot. It is. It's really um, well done. Yeah, uh, and you kind of just get sucked into it in that way, and the way that it's shot sucks you in too. You're literally being told that, and the humor element isn't so much comedic as it is comic. Does that does that make sense? Saying yeah. we're not taking this too seriously, but when we do, you're going to follow us on the stakes are high, and you're gonna you're gonna agree. But it's that thing of introducing levity to cut the tension. You've got to, yeah. you've got to release that valve when there's serious shit going on. Yeah. Because I think otherwise that prison sequence could be kind of horrific. You know, you've got yeah, two hundred guys, yeah, yeah. guards and prisoners, beating the crap yeah. out of one another. Mattresses on fire, being thrown out of their off the balconies. So yeah. I mean, what's happening is Simon Pegg is controlling the doors in the prison electronically to release the prisoners, so that Tom Cruise can escape. Why is he in the prison? We don't know. Uh, But he decides he's going to take someone with him, someone that he's befriended on the inside. But then there's something that Peg does that's almost like an incitement to violence, which is he starts playing Dean Martin's Ain't That a Kick in the Head while guards have been pushed to the floor. Yeah. As if he's saying, no, kick their brains in. Seriously, kick their brains in. Yeah, so it's a bit dark. 
Yeah. It it is, and it's the only sequence in the film that I think tonally made me quite uncomfortable. Yeah, and there is an, there is even a bit where you see that the inmates are responding to to the music. They're literally dancing around as they're kicking a guy on the floor, Clockwork Orange style. Yeah, but it's it's a tiny moment, and we're more we're more sucked in and in, in uh, by the whatever Tom Cruise is doing. Um, you know, he's got his exit. It's clear. There's no inmates been out left out there. There's no writing on his route out, and he's like doing a fist at the, at the yeah, shaking nice. his fist at the camera to Benji, saying, "You open the door. I've got to go back and get something. You know, I'm not. Don't mess with me." And Benji's like, "Go, no, go, go!" Straight away when he's communicating with Benji via the camera. Yeah, we get three just after that. Three staples, one on top of the other. Yeah, stunts for sure. Jumping off things. Yep, he does a nice little parkour from one level to the next level. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But also one that I tend to not spot in films, looking taller than he is, because he yeah. is big in this film, isn't he? Doesn't he look big in that sequence when he's just prowling through the, the prison? Yeah, and, until you get like there are some big foot, dudes. Six foot five guy. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Way taller than him. But that's so, because that's... that guy's massive. But I, I genuinely yeah, yeah. think Tom Cruise, I mean, he's jacked in this film. Uh, yeah, and you you can see he's 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 worked out. I wouldn't say, but that's the thing about Tom Cruise is that he's as as ripped as he might get. He's never gone like sort of as big as any of the like you know, Thor or Superman. He never gets that big, and I don't think he's interested would, in that. It would look weird. Yeah. It would look weird, but he'd look muscle bound, and yeah. and I think that he's just um he's just fit. You know, I don't think he's. I certainly don't think he's using any steroids or anything. He's no, just, no, no, no. You know, he's a very active person, and that's why yeah, he's yeah. got that peculiar. But muscle he's got mass. more like the Jackie Chan. He wants to stay fit and fast. He doesn't want to. He's not really about how he looks. And that will not be the last time that Jackie Chan gets mentioned in this episode. Believe me. Yeah, and then away we go into the pre-credit sequence. And if by the point. We've all, I mean, there's lots of stuff going on with Paula Patton yeah. and Simon Pegg, so we know that this is a team effort. Yeah. And then Sergei has got bugged in, and he's taken him out <laughs> through the <laughs> hole. Um, I love, and, again, their relationship. It's like, yeah. again, just set up as like, you know that Tom Cruise has been working this asset, and there's something about just the lines that they exchange that just, it works so beautifully. Be, so, yeah, exactly. So, in a, in a lesser film, Bogdan is Rob Schneider, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, right. Right, but it works in here. No, it I works mean, it, and it's clearly a comedy. It is a comedic yeah. character. Right, right. But yeah, at that bit, they're in the tunnels underneath the prison, and Cruz just says to Patton, "Light the fuse," and yeah. she literally lights a fuse, which then takes us into the credits slash trailer sequence that has become, <laughs> yeah, the Bond style credit sequence of this franchise. But- but better than Bond style. I Bond style bores me. It's like some weird, abstract kind of. I'm not saying it's not beautiful, but it doesn't add anything to the movie. Usually, it tells you bits and pieces about the theme of the movie. It's too arty. It's not helping move the story along. But this credit sequence has this added element of saying, "Here are some things that you're going to see." Yeah. But just on the edge of spoilery, but not. Yeah. It's so great. It's like we didn't tell you what's going on in that scene, but you're going to get a fight in this, in you know, in this uh, setting, and you're going to get um, this bomb going off, and you're going to get these things happening. And it's like, okay, this is that 
like a little mini preview of the movie. That's it's it's a teaser. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. The only way it would be improved, and again, this is something that bugs me in films, is when an actor's name is on the screen, but it's showing someone else's face. Right, for instance, for the credits, yeah. Simon Pegg's face appears with the credit Paula Patton. Yeah, it's not. That's not cool. It's like just me. time it a bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really good introduction to Paula Patton's character as well, because I think you do get straight away that she's all about the action, and she, like you said, she's comparable to Hunt in terms of her abilities, and she's just a really welcome addition to the team. I think. No, right, and. And that's the thing that's nice about this character is, you know, you said well-rounded. I'm so excited about it because, you know, on the last episode, we talked a bit about uh, female characters and, and we talked about how they tend to be a bit flat. On the last season, it was a big deal for us with Arnie's leading ladies, how they seem to be more well-rounded. And that was quite interesting, and given, the, given the fact that Arnie's been accused of being a sexist womanizer that his leading ladies seem to actually be well-rounded, you know, three-dimensional characters. And it's a big deal for us in film generally. And when you initially meet her, Tom Cruise has a bit of an attitude towards her, like, who are you? But she doesn't need his validation as well, which is quite cool. It's like, she yeah, just... She, she's definitely she's just been running, running the team while he's been in prison. That's the feeling that you get. Yeah. And it's like, and he gets on board pretty quickly with it. He's, there's no, like rivalry between them or something like that which is really cool um so i like that it's just like a moment of like i used to be the boss of this team but so then we've got the two the two main elements of the plot that carry it forward are introduced one Mm. is that paula Patton is after revenge Mm. to a large extent because of what happened to josh holloway she was Mm. on that mission she feels responsible for his death but also maybe a little something between them well not maybe for sure like definitely okay there seems to be a lot of that in IMF. They need to really look at their HR policies. Yeah, a lot of you know, them. people sleeping with their little sisters. You know. Yeah. And then the main thrust of the plot, which is the recovery of some Russian nuclear launch codes that have been launch stolen. Codes. Yeah. That's what uh, Holloway was recovering, and that's what Leia Sedu has stolen. Hmm. So that takes us to the Kremlin. If you were not aroused during. The Kremlin, you know, like the quiet sneaking up the corridor sequence with the screen and the projector and the iris tracking, then I don't know why you're even watching this film, Alex. Yeah. That's the coolest, most Mission Impossibly yeah. sequence that we've had, I think. It's so it's so cool and I'm so excited about it that I'm really upset, a little bit angry that you got to mention it first. Okay. That's how cool it. Do you want to rewind and and no. do you want to no you take I, it, I coined take, a take term for it. Bit. No, I don't. I don't want to. I want to just keep going. Okay. Because you're absolutely right to say that about me. Okay. Like you know me well. It is. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a film ever. <laughs> right. I mean this this device is so fucking cool. It's ridiculous. Somebody met, did did a really good job of devising this. This device, so like it, uh, whoever it, came in up with it, fashion. yeah, you just whoever think... came up with it, a fucking genius. I called it, I call it the hollow corridor. Fine, yeah, but like one film ago, the equivalent of that was sticking a photograph in front of a CCTV camera, right? And I was dead excited about that. <laughs> yeah, so explain it, explain how it works. Right, so <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god, 
so it start it's it has several components to it, right? This thing. <laughs> Not only is the setup like it's got this long corridor, which you're thinking, yeah, you know what? That's pretty difficult to get down actually, because part of part part of us could say, why don't they just run down the corridor and kill the guy? Why don't they just shoot him from the end? It's like there's security cameras and everything. You shoot a guy at the desk. It's like what? And this is so much more inventive than like hacking the cameras and putting it on a loop and that's been done so many yeah. times so it's like don't do that and also you'd assume that actually hacking the server of the kremlin would be a shit ton harder and take much more time than the time that they have than than doing what they've done what they do mm-hmm. they have to do what they do is what i'm saying it's like it's not unfeasible you just think yeah how do you get halfway down a corridor without a guard at the end of the long corridor noticing that you're trying to break into a vault halfway down that corridor. So it starts with a distraction. Yeah. A kind of like a... It's a, like it's a, a, a tiny... Dripping. Yeah, but it's yeah. a tiny little satellite dish in the palm of your hand, isn't it? That yeah. projects a dripping sound where you point so, it. Yeah, so you know like in, in other spy films like The Conversation or whatever when they're trying to... Um, oh, I didn't know you'd seen The Conversation. Did you yeah, like load- it? Loads of times. <laughs> oh, right. You're joking, because I, I think I mention it every episode. Almost every episode. Yeah, right. They're, um, it's like the only film I've seen, <laughs> other than the ones we're watching. Um, uh, you know, when they've got that directional mic to like pick up someone's yeah. uh, voice from far away yeah. with like the little satellite behind it. It's like a mini one of those, but for projecting sound. Yeah. Dripping sound. That's kind of what it is. It's like dripping from a pipe or a bathroom, a leaky pipe. That's what it kind of sounds like. Yeah. And echoing in the bathroom. And it's distracting him and he gets up from his desk and he moves to the side. In the seconds that he's out of view of the corridor, Simon Pegg and Tom Cruise inflate a grid. Uh, like um, It's like a projector screen, but it's obviously a more versatile material. That's right. A, a projector screen's the right thing, like, but a rear projection. Yeah. But it, it kind of just pops out like a like a one of those pop-up tents yeah. you know and fits fits the edges of the corridor perfectly and also slides really smoothly up and down the corridor yeah. so they can stand behind the screen which has on it it's a camera that is scanning the rear behind them and projecting forward onto the screen whatever's behind so it's basically an invisibility cloak yeah it's perfect but and they're not but... only that yeah. There's a tracking camera on it that tracks the eyes of the guy at the end of the corridor that adjusts the picture real time to fit the perspective of his eyes. Oh my god, that is so fucking cool. Because it's not just... If it was just a symmetrical corridor, it would be easier. But there's right. a statue at the far end. That's right. <laughs> which would yeah. obviously have to shift in perspective as you, walk as you walk from a dripping sound back to your desk. Exactly, as you walk across this view of the corridor... And you're looking down that corridor. So that addition just tops it off. Not only is it cool because it's an invisibility cloak, it's cool because it's doing that eye tracking thing. And it it later creates this very cool effect when you get like 10 guys in the corridor and the eye tracking software is trying to match the eyes of all of these guys. And you see the perspective of the corridor shift. Shifting, like, it's, yeah. like there's it's, a glitch in the matrix. Yeah, it's very... But, Very cool. I'm sorry if I nerded out there no, no. and everyone's so a bit bored. That's but it deserved, it deserved a nerd out. It uh, it's brilliant. And it, it's yeah. a sequence that I always forget about. But there's so many added elements to that. 
that you've got that more, more this is say. this is when you start to yeah. realize that you're not breathing as much as perhaps you should yeah <laughs> because one of the things that i really love about this film is the score um, yeah michael giacchino giacchino i don't know how to pronounce his name whatever but he did the score for the incredibles and he loves really okay. the lalo schifrin era brass and hi-hat right. Uh, sound of the 60s cool spy films and and bullet and all that sort of stuff and that's what the incredible score is and he has been let loose on the mission impossible theme and it's glorious when it's playing throughout this with the really like i don't know what (laughs) instrument that is trumpet or that that wasn't very good man trombone yeah you know that was the teacher from peanuts (laughs) (laughs) but in this sequence they drop that down to nothing because yeah. Ethan and Benji have to be silent. So Sick. even like even unlocking the door, once they've managed yeah. to put this thing in, they have to do that silently. And on top of that, <laughs> there are there are issues to overcome, such as the image isn't fully rendered at first. That's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> and just Peg thinks it is, and he just stands up and he's like checking something and his face is 10 foot wide on this screen yeah. and the guy like he gets pushed like benji just gets pushed out of the way half i think a he second, sees it he sees half it half a second before the guy sees it yeah yeah no i think he sees it okay. and questions himself but it's, I well, think yeah because he's already tripping a little at bit at the corner of his eye he's like what yeah. the fuck was that he, he probably doesn't think oh there's an invisibility cloak halfway down the corridor Why would you? and yeah. there's a guy standing behind it he probably thinks he's been drugged or something or he's yeah. tripping yeah so it's as much as it's played for laughs, it's also played for tension, and it's just uh, that split and that's second it. thing. You yeah. just you just put your finger on the, those two elements that makes the film brilliant. It tips from a good action film or to good character comedy, and the mix of those and the way that it's mixed here, that combination is so perfect. You also get a really nice five six seconds of character interaction. <laughs> that makes you believe these guys are buddies. So and again, Hunt is like in full mission mode. Right. He's like, we've got a job here to do, Benji. But Benji hasn't had his chance no. to say to him, I'm really sorry about you and Jules. Yeah. You know, I always liked her. And it, yeah. I love the way that Cruz is just just staring at him yeah. as if like, you are not Luther. You don't get to do this. That's it. It's exactly. That's the look. <laughs> That's the look he's giving him. Like Luther could do this, yeah. and just because you, just because he was doing it, we had years of experience out together in the field. He knew the right time to have this chat. This is not it. He and used also, to have these chats with me when we were setting up. Yeah, not when we're exactly not mid mission of the mission. Like, Get your fucking game face. The on most Benji. crucial thing, <laughs> and that's the thing. All the way up to that moment, Benji's been psyching himself up under his breath, like get get, get my game face on, get my game face on, and and he literally Cruz has to tell him shut. Shut, Shut up. it. Yeah. In Russian as well, no less. The interesting thing, I'm going to say it right now. Perhaps it's a spoiler, but I'll say it now. Sound ye oldie spoiler klaxon. No masks. Oh, I love the fact that Benji's so pumped about the masks as well. Yeah, but well, he, Cruz gets about- the face prosthetic. No masks, though. And that's the cool thing about this. You, you know, we've talked about, like, good writing. Sometimes a formula for good writing, not necessarily all the time, is write yourself into a hole and then write yourself out of it. Yeah. And I think that 
it must have been a decision right near the beginning, either of Bad Birds or... Did, did he write it as well? No. No. Who wrote it? Uh, it's a guy called Andre Nemec. Well, I'd I'd say that the writing is very good on this. And, and I don't... Again, it's always difficult to know what's a writing decision, what's a directorial decision. But the decision for no masks, I think, works really well. And... Um, and we'll come to it later. There's like, they're, they're, it's not like they're not trying to use masks. They are. And you've got Benji talking about the masks like throughout. There's at least three or four occasions when he's like, yeah. can I wear a mask? Can I wear a mask? And Tom Cruise looks at him like he's insane. Like, we don't need masks. I know old school spy crafts. We don't because they've, they, they've, they've used the masks almost too much in the franchise so i do think if you include mission possible 2 yeah it's the technology in the in the franchise has got to the stage where you can flawlessly impersonate anyone now there's no masks for the imf team but a a mask does appear at one point that's true just the last thing about that that little kremlin sneaking up the corridor sequence is that is what you would expect from brad bird so at that point because that is just like a sequence out of the incredibles with the stretchy woman what's she called stretch girl uh yeah stretch girl whatever i know who you mean stretch dude and clover girl (laughs) yeah that's totally it so at this point in the film you're thinking yeah yeah okay this is the kind of mission that brad bird's going to deliver he's doing the incredibles in the real world okay i get it great yeah yeah yeah. wrong wrong yes and no right you are about to learn what brad bird is capable of first of all tom cruise sneaking out of the kremlin is brilliant Oh my god, that costume change! Yeah, I've, there is never, there is not on screen, as far as I've ever seen, a slicker, more shocking costume change. Like, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Rips his face off, turns his jacket inside out. He's got a Springsteen T-shirt on. Throws some glasses on. American tourist. American tourist. He was, he was Russian, a Russian general, general to American tourist in three seconds. Then, kablam! <laughs> Kremlin. I mean, the collateral damage involved in that, I have no idea. In the hundreds. It's huge. Yeah. The Kremlin is destroyed. Not just a bomb going off. Destroyed yeah. from the ground and up. Tom Cruise running again Ooh, from out of the running. way of a shockwave. Yeah. And getting, and then he, he gets blasted. He doesn't make it. No, no. And we're thinking, okay, all right. We've got some Cruise running so in this film. Good, good that's, physics there. That's the running ticked off. We're not going to see any more running in this film. <laughs> Wrong! Are we wrong? Well, we are certainly wrong. And and that it was nice, you know. I I don't know that it's a nod at all in any way, but for this season, for us, for our podcast, it's a nod to the War of the Worlds running sequence for me, like running okay. away from yeah, uh, people being vaporized, and it's very similar. And so this, so is yeah, he ends up in hospital. Uh, yes, like, he does. Oh the yeah, blast hits him. Uh, He's yeah, in hospital, he, and he has the escape from the hospital, which is cool. It's a, it's a, it's a minor sort of stunt, really. It's a uh, minor stunt, but it's it has nice one of my favorite wrong. moments. It has one yeah. of my favorite character moments. The cop, I guess he's a cop or an Interpol agent. Yeah, I, I, he's not a local cop for sure, but he's, he's cop, not. He's, he's not KGB either. That's the thing. He's not, but he's high up in the Russian government. He's certainly got some international power, um, and he's been tasked tasked with um, finding. Ethan Hunt and his team. Now, what's happened is that they've been set up. Michael Nykvist, I can't remember the character's name. Hendricks. Hendricks is um, a political extremist in this. He's He believes that um, world peace is can be achievable, but only after and through nuclear war. But yeah, I mean, more than that, he's a 
he's a nuclear fanaticist. Yeah, that's how they refer to him, nu- yeah. nuclear extremist, whatever. And he very cleverly managed to hack their comms, but also broadcast it at the same time yeah. to the same comm channel as the rest of the Kremlin security. And he basically says, uh, blow it, blow it up. It's a go. So they overhear this and they say, well, the Americans are going to blow it up. Like team yeah. leader, you know, it's a go. And, and Cruz's so, slick double jacket is used as evidence that he was there and right. infiltrated it. And he's yeah, a spy. Yeah. And yeah. so he's, he's, that's it. He's been made. Um, their team, this is it. They, you know, we know the IMF protocol is if you get caught, you're disavowed. You've got no support. We're not going to say it had anything to do with us. You're yeah, going to be. This is bigger than that. This is an international incident between two superpowers. So the American government has disavowed IMF in its entirety. And, and that's that, the ghost protocol, yeah. That is ghost protocol. As yeah. Oh, hang on, though. Before we get to that, you said there was a character moment that you like. There is, there is. But that's okay. Like, we know that that's going to happen now. Like, we're already... So he's in the hospital. He's handcuffed to a bed. Serendipitously, he um, ends up with um, his file, his medical file, uh, left on his bed, which has papers clip, paper clip to it. So he can use the paper clip. He escapes. He's out onto the roof Does ledge. Some... Does some yeah. reading in Russian first. Yeah, to find out what's going on. It's More pretty good. Reading. Yeah. yeah. It's out on the ledge and he's like, he's out there like pretty scared. Like, this is Shirtlessness. High. Yeah, totally shirtlessness. Uh, not a good idea to jump into the, the, the um, dumpster, right? Which has lots of rubbish bags. And we assume in movie land that you could jump into that and you'd be fine. It's pretty high though. And his fear is like, you know what? You probably break your legs if you jump into that. I don't care how many how many um, bags yeah. of rubbish they're going to break your fall. And, and this cop who's after him, or this, I'm going to call him an Interpol cop. I don't know who he is. I think he's great for the little he has to do. I think he's really good. And he just leans out the window and he's a little bit like, what the fuck? You're out the window. And then he just relaxes because he's like, you're, you're going not crazy. Yeah. Like, you're not going to jump. And And he does this little look that's like, yeah, go on then. He looks down at the ground like I want to. I want to see you make that jump. Like I be. Yeah, I don't care. You jump. You break your legs. We're going to pick you up or you die. My case is closed. That's brilliant for me. And he's just sitting there casually, like he's about to smoke a cigarette, leaning out the window, going, oh, "Go ahead, Ethan." Uh, but then he he escapes in obviously a cool Ethan way. Doesn't he just say bad idea or something yeah, like that? Yeah, something and like Ethan that. goes. Eh, it seemed like a good he's one at the time. He's got these great great one liners exactly. That's why I like this character. And he's got another one near the end, which is pretty cool. But yeah, he uh-huh. zip wires down something onto yeah, a using his belt truck. You know, but it's he's nice like, got that nothing on him. He doesn't <laughs> like, land it like he comes off. Yeah, you know, and he he's doesn't hurt. Land it. Yeah, but they still cool. just sort of look at one another like, yeah, you are fucking crazy. Yeah. Now, how many times if you found yourself shirtless, shoe, shoes and socksless, only wearing a pair of trousers, do you, how far do you think you'd have to walk around town before you found on a clothesline a decent jacket with a hood? and uh, a new pair of sh- shoes, boots. It's difficult to say, but here's the thing. I'm not as resourceful as Ethan Hunt. No. Same. He manages to find everything he needs everywhere he goes. In seconds. But that's because he's resourceful. If he couldn't have found those shoes, he would have made them. Out of plastic bags. His, um, his little <laughs> what, you leather, don't like my bags? His leather hoodie that he nicks is... Yeah, he looks cool. Very cool. Yeah, I, like I don't think I could pull that look up. No, he, again, he's... It, Tom Cruise sports hoodies in this 
in a way that just it works so well. Uh, there's something that it made me want to see him in the Assassin's Creed movie, actually, instead of oh, okay. Kinder. So then, we, yeah, we get introduced to Tom Wilkinson for his one scene where he basically says, just kick the shit out of Jeremy Renner here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he tells him about Ghost Protocol, and then he says, you know, I can't help you, but uh, if I was going to, this is yeah. what I'd tell you. And he um, hands him a USB drive, which is all the intel he needs, basically, to begin his completely disavowed last chance IMF mission to find Hendrix. Yeah. Stop nuclear war and clear clear IMF's name, because we know you didn't blow up the Kremlin. Yeah. Brandt is Renner's name. He's a, an analyst, we're told. Looks yeah. in pretty good shape for an analyst, though, doesn't he? Yeah. Hmm, that doesn't seem plausible. Can, analysts can work out. Yeah, okay. Right. Don't be so... Okay. I just Nerd, think nerdist. I think there's more to his character than we are led to believe. That's you're all. a nerdist. No, I'm just saying. I think I think this guy racist against is people who shifty. do desk jobs. He's 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 got some other stuff going on. I don't trust. He's him. always asking questions. Yeah, yeah. Analyze so this. the car gets shot up. They found Wilkinson, them dead. Dead bullet through the head. Um, moments later, they're in the river. And Tom Cruise is just you know, holding his breath, action, decisiveness, holding his breath. Again, it's a new staple. You're right. I'm just ticking them off as we go. No, no, it's a new staple. It's good. You know, I love it. Like he, they're being shot at, like randomly, through the water by twenty guys. Uh, he gets a flare from from the car. Yeah, straps it to Tom Wilkinson. Why and were there so the many river. flares in that car? It's an IMF car. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, come on. You're going to have all the emergency gear in ready. the boot, maybe. But they're just floating around in the in the car. The car's been smashed up, man. All right. Okay. I'm just saying it's a little convenient. If I'm going yeah, to pick like, holes, I'm going to pick. Fine. Holes. Fine. Fine. I. I. I l- listen. That's fine. But it's there, and th- and this is the point, right? That I say that they they do throughout. They make anything that's convenient like that. The film itself and characters within the film make comment on it. Yeah. Right. So he, he, I, I was pretty badass though to like just use your friend's dead body, strap a flare to it as a decoy. I'm like, you really just don't. He's a well, good it was spy. The, it was the know? driver though. I don't think. It oh, was sorry. Tom I thought Wilkinson. it was Tom Wilkinson. I assumed I it was the driver. Right. Okay. Uh, fine. But yeah, matter. I mean, he's dead. Anyway, what are you going to do? It doesn't yeah, matter. Exactly. He's dead. What are you going to do? And that's the thing. That that's what makes him sort of hardcore spy. You got to. You give him some credit for that. Um, so he floats him up the river and it's a decoy and they can swim the other way and they're shooting at nothing, basically. But then this is the point, is that those sort of incredulous moments, they a character then soon after yeah. makes reference to it. And so you've got Jeremy Renner's character who's, you can tell he's a bit twitchy. He's a bit, he's not very good at being in the field. And he's asking him all these questions. How did you know that the flare was going to work? And Tom Cruise is like, what do you mean? What what did you think they would they were thinking? And it's like, I don't know. It was just a target. Like I put they the played a on. hunch. Yeah, played a hunch. Right. He's Which very again, good repeats. at playing hunches. Yeah, almost uh, like he's perhaps lived out this timeline more than once. There's so much in this movie that says that. So that's one strike one for the Cruiserverse story that we're going to tell at the end of this. So yeah, he uh, that's it. You know, they they escape and they get. They get onto this car, a hobo train car. car yeah. uh, what do you call it? It's a train car. 
Yeah, a train car, but it's one of those um, yeah, cargo. It's a, it's a cargo train, yeah. Cargo yeah. train, yeah, and with like wooden panel doors. And I like the way they get on it. It's pretty cool as well. Like The most ridiculous setup inside, though. Yeah, it's, it's like so NASA built it. Well, it's like the Batcave, you know. For, yeah, it's you got know. everything. It's got like it's a like fully a... stocked arsenal. Yeah. It's got retinal scanners on the outside. Yeah. Um, it's got like that massive tablet that can just read the USB stick by just dropping it on. I love yeah, tech like cool. that. Yeah, what happened to that? We were promised that tech. That's 2011. Like yeah, yeah. Microsoft was saying, we're going to have these touch touch screen tables and I don't see them anywhere. They're coming, buddy. They're coming. All right. Okay. They've just got to sell you all the shitty shit first. But yeah, essentially, Brandt is now uh, a part of the team. Hunt doesn't really trust him, but he needs him. Paula Patton definitely doesn't trust him because she's given him some serious side eye. Yeah. And um, I think Benji's just a little bit pissed off that he's just gone into the field and now here's a better looking version of him come along. (laughs) (laughs) That's going on. And he's secretly more bummed out that he still hasn't got to wear a mask. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's super excited about those masks. Yeah. Now, One of my favorite lines is in this scene. Go on. Uh, it just made me laugh hard. And again, talking about how, you know, you cut the tension. Simon Pegg's role in this is crucial to that. Yeah, and it could so easily have just been the token funny British guy. Not at all. He's They tread yeah. the line very, very well. And we'll we'll yeah. get to it in yeah, the next sequence. He's integral in the but... team. He's integral in the team. But he says that like, they're, they're like seriously like going back and forth about this is how how do we do this and this is how we execute the plan and and you know Patton wants to kill Leia Sadu because she she killed Josh Holloway and Tom Cruise is like no she's an asset and then Simon yeah. Pegg's like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. she's an asset uh, I'm just spitballing here it's not all going to be gold yeah <laughs> I love it the way he kind of like he's trying to join them at that I'm a field operative too but it's like yeah, I'm also I'm also kind of not. You know, he knows that he's never going to be Tom Cruise, right? But right, right. he really at least wants to be Tom Cruise's favorite, I think. Which is why he's like, "I'm trying to give you gold here. It's not all going to be gold." But but that's Simon Pegg, I think. Definitely, that, I think that's genuinely how Simon Pegg must Definitely. have felt, like yeah. on set with with Tom Cruise. I don't think he was acting when they're walking across the Kremlin, and he's literally he's saying to Tom Cruise, "I'm just so excited. I'm out in the field. It's so cool. <laughs> this is so cool." It's like. Yeah, you're just dead excited you're in a movie with Tom Cruise and you've got a major role. Arguably second or third billing, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So far, so Mission Impossible. And we're less than halfway through the running time. We are. are. But now we're off to Dubai, okay? And this is where... as well. It's totally impressive. In my opinion, this is where Ghost Protocol leaves the rest of the series behind. Yeah. Because we're going to a sequence now that is in excess of 30 minutes long from start to finish. Mm. Seamlessly, organically, takes us from step one of the plan, step two, the plan evolves, things go wrong. I agree. Suspense turns into double cross, double cross turns into action. And this is not only where this leaps up into the finest film of the series... This sequence is one of the most impressive stunt and action sequences that has been put on film, in my opinion. Right, it's, yeah. It's absolutely phenomenal. And it's yeah. not just Cruise on the outside of Burj Khalifa. That is a phenomenal sequence in the way that it's staged and the fact that Cruise actually yeah. did it. 
but it wasn't done for that. It's integral to the plot. That's the thing that makes it so good. The the actually the parts that follow the actual just yeah. people in rooms talking to one another after so that sequence. Brilliant. That's so brilliant. Is incredibly tense. Yeah. The editing and and everything in so, that. Yeah. So whole... you got you've got Jeremy Renner with um, a contact lens camera that's bugging his eye. Um, trying to make copies of nuclear launch codes that get sent wirelessly to a briefcase in a room upstairs that Paula Patton's in. She's impersonating Leia Sadu, and she's trying to do the same deal that they're doing downstairs, which is launch codes for diamonds. Leia Sadu wants the diamonds, and Hendrix wants the launch codes. And the codes need to be verified by a guy who knows what they should look like. Tom Cruise and his team don't have either the launch codes or the diamonds. So what they do is they put Jeremy Renner in front of the launch codes with a contact lens in his eye, taking pictures of the launch codes that get sent wirelessly to a briefcase that's in the room with Paula Patton and Hendrix. And then they get printed out secretly into the briefcase that Paula Patton has to delay on and say, oh, I can't open it because, yeah, I've got to get a code while they're printing out inside the briefcase while Paula Patton's getting the diamonds off of Hendrix Giving them not to Hendrix, Simon Pegg. Not Hendrix, Wistrom. Oh, it is Hendrix, but we don't know that. Hendrix. But we don't know At that. At the time, we don't know it's Hendrix. Um, and that's where the mask comes in. Uh, Simon Pegg's got, like, a prosthetic arm. <laughs> that looks brilliant. like... It's so brilliant. He's, he's, he's got a prosthetic arm that's being held, like, across his midsection, like a waiter with, with um, like, a, a, you know, a napkin over his arm, you know, like, oh, I'm being courteous and I'm holding myself like this. And his and his real arm just like pops out between his between his uh, shirt yeah. or between his uh, jacket, and he picks up the diamonds secretly and takes them away to then deliver them to Tom Cruise's room. When Jeremy Renner says yes, these are the right launch codes, Tom Cruise then does the deal with Leia to do, but she realizes that something's up. Well, hang on, Jeremy Jeremy Renner's twitchy eye. Let's go back because we've completely skipped over the fact that Tom Cruise climbs up the side of the world's tallest building. Yeah, we skipped over all of that. <laughs> yeah, we did. So so what I love is that when they're setting up in this room and they've only got like half an hour before the meet is going to happen, they right. they really push for time here. They yeah. lay they're out... They're programming the briefcase. They're trying to make masks. Yeah. Right? They're laying it all out. So you've got the power glove that allows him to climb up the side of the building because they realize they, they, the quickest way yeah. to infiltrate this server room is to go in from the outside. Right. There's that nice bit as well where Tom Cruise says, someone has to come in from the outside. I like that because it's like Tom Cruise isn't always up for doing the most dangerous thing, right? Yeah. And it's like, why why me kind of thing? So you've got the laser cutter gun to cut the glass. You've got the power glove to let him climb up the side of the building. You've got the uh, printer in the briefcase. You've got the mask machine. And you've also got within um, the link up to Jeremy Renner's camera lens... Yeah, contact camera lens. contact lens. Yeah, um, they're going to scramble the codes so that they're not going right. to give them real codes. Right. Every single bit of that tech goes wrong. Every single thing. The power yeah. glove fails as he's climbing up the outside of the building. Yeah. He has to essentially punch his way through the glass because he slides halfway down and loses his laser cutter. Yeah. When he diehards it back out of the yeah. window to try and jump in through the back in through the window that they've cut yeah. out. He doesn't have enough cable, so yeah. he has to cut himself off of that and jump. And that jump 
holy fuck, that hurts when he lands. Yeah. They realize that they can't scramble the codes because uh, Wistrom's brought a guy along with him who's going to verify that they're real, so they're going to have to hand over real codes. Actually, the printer in the briefcase works. I'll give them that. It does. <laughs> yeah, it does work. Renner gets busted with the lens. Yeah, because the, the lens is too itchy. And, and the mask machine do notices. Yeah. The mask machine fucks up and turns them into Donald Trump faces. So, right. like, everything is just building and building and building to say, right, you, you did plan it out brilliantly. That's all yeah. fucked up now. What are you four dudes going to do? Yeah. Talk about writing yourself into a hole. It's so good, man. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's so good because all these, all this cool, slick tech allows them to show oh no we don't need that to be slick we can still be really slick right and the cool thing is that all along you're thinking oh yeah sure Paula Patton's gonna like pretend to be Leia Sadu that's gonna work and then because the masks are fucked it's like they don't know when they meet these people for this double exchange where they're faking the meat that whether they've ever seen each other or not yeah so they they have to give these these launch codes to the to Hendrix this this terrorist extremist it's really tense and it's the setup is done super high stakes yeah it's taken us longer than it took to set it up to explain it than yeah. it does in the movie they just right? do it's it on the fly yeah but you've got yeah. these really high stakes you've got the failing tech you've got tangible yeah. risk of failure here yeah and in yeah. amongst it all you've got tom cruise human special effect yeah i mean that's a jackie chan sequence if ever there was one the whole the whole thing we've just said yeah so done for real i really recommend um watching there's a 20 30 minute making of sequence dedicated to just yeah. the outside of the of the burj Khalifa, i'm definitely watching which this, is yeah. i mean really it's only a six or seven minute sequence that but it's 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 phenomenal and in imax mm. i mm. could hardly contain myself because I get pretty bad vertigo from not very high heights, and I get these stabbing pains in my feet when I get that mm. feeling. And I was getting them watching them on my TV here. Yeah, it's adrenaline, man. But in, in IMAX, I was genuinely feeling woozy. It's so well shot. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. And then it's got, again, a tiny little nuanced, but one of my favorite character moments. And it's when... They're busted. They've done the exchange. So Hendrix is going to get away with the codes. Um, but Leia Sadu just says, you know, kill them yeah. in, in French. Yeah, but so she's so vicious about how quickly she's going to do it. Like as soon as she gets a funky feeling, like right near the beginning of the deal, mm. she's like, kill this one. Like, yeah. Points at yeah, Jeremy yeah. Renner. And it's like, uh. <laughs> and they say, no, wait, <laughs> we're going to do the deal. Like relax. And then, but so you know she's ready to do that anyway. And she's got like five dudes there in the room with her as well. She gets away. So she, you know, she instantly, she sees the contact lenses itching him. She knows something's up. And she just, she's got her diamonds. So she's like, I'm fucking out of here. I don't care what you guys, but I'm killing you as well. She she runs away while Jeremy Renner fights with these guys. And that's when Tom Cruise sees that he's got skills. He's not going to like mm. fake his skills. So is he an analyst? Renner no. leaps, leaps into some hand-to-hand no. -hand combat. And he's yeah. good. And the combat yeah, in this film good. is good. Yeah, very good. And believable. And it's like, okay, that's why we didn't quite believe Jeremy Renner. Paula Patton, mm. when that, just a brief, it's like two second moment, Tom Cruise says, uh, she's getting away. What's the character's name? Leia Sadu's character name? Moreau. Moreau's getting away. And Paula Patton says, I got her. And she says, I got her. And as she's saying it, she's taken off her jacket. 
She's taken her shoes off. She's wearing just this dress. And before she was quite smartly dressed, but she's like, I'm ready for uh, for action now. And she looks so fierce yeah. and hot. And she's <laughs> running after. She just goes for her. And Tom Cruise is like, we need her alive. Like, yeah. she's an asset. We need her alive. And, like, do you copy? And she's ignoring it. Yeah. And just, there's something so lush about her fierceness in that moment, the way she goes after her. And I have to say, I remember the fight between them being much better the first time I watched it. I'm not saying it was bad this time. Mm. I just, I had built it up so much, I think. It's pretty good. It's good. It's a good fight. Yeah, yeah. I think the only problem with that is, I don't believe for a second Leia Sedu would be able to hold her own against Paula Patton. Paula Patton would not, destroy Not that her. much, no. And yeah. I think it's smart that they, they, they established that this woman is ruthless, Leia yeah, Sedu's character. a bit clumsy, yeah. She tries to get a gun out when it's clearly going to be a hand-to-hand combat moment. Because you would be scared if Paula Patton was coming at you <laughs> yeah, with that look right? in her eyes. Right. But she goes at her with a corkscrew. You know, she needs weapons. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking And cool. Paula Patton doesn't. Yeah. But that fucking payoff for that where she just boots her out the window. Yeah. That's so works. cool. It is cool. It is cool. And you kind of don't care as well. You're not... You're not. I'm on her thinking, side, man. Yeah, you're they not don't sitting need there saying, her. oh, Paula Patton, you fucked up the mission. You're not yeah. that. You're like, yeah, man, she killed Josh Holloway. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Don't look. She's dead. Don't worry about that. You've got a tracker in the paper that has the launch codes on it right we're good we're golden right yeah you'd think it's time to start running and running again. and running and running again even okay. better running sequence right <laughs> i think like he that's a much longer running sequence than we've ever had before i think yeah i think it's even longer than the sequence in mission possible three it's just not totally, one interrupted yeah shot it's not one shot but, but yeah he's he, running for a good five minutes and they straight. keep they keep building and building and building. Like we've we've already had twenty to twenty five minutes of breathless suspense, hand to hand combat, jumping around the outside of a building. Now yeah, we've got to breathe right now. Now like, we're going just talking about it. Full pelt into a sandstorm. It's amazing. It's one of my favourite shots in the movie. Uh, the overhead. Where Tom Cruise is running. There's an overhead and then there's an underhead. Oh, right, You've got right. an overhead shot oh, of Tom yeah, Cruise yeah, running yeah. out of the building. And you don't see the sandstorm. You see the shadow. Yeah. And then you see like an under uh, like shot of like just, I don't know. It's like at his knee height. But but we're tracking along with him as he's running. And behind him, you just see this wall of sand going. Yeah. And it's like, God, not only is this tense, like now this sandstorm's going to like start ripping your skin off you know it's like it's going to come at you and yeah, they're running through breathe, streets you can't see yeah and he's has the goggles not handily so cool yeah we know why he's got the goggles they even address the fact that he's got some goggles in his pocket when he was being searched in the room and he gives yeah. that great look of like well yeah look I'm out the Dubai, window buddy there's goggles. a yeah there's yeah, a yeah. sandstorm coming yeah um but cool. i think it's so easy to lose the rest of that sequence because of how amazing everything before it is. Yeah, yeah. But dude, playing chicken at like a hundred miles an hour in a sandstorm that with a car. Badass. Yeah. When you're not in a car, he's he's standing there and the car, the tracker is in the car. Oh he, yeah, but after that, he's like, why is it coming so fast at me? Yeah. Oh yeah. So with, oh, yeah after that, yeah. Yeah. So he's hanging onto the uh, yeah, car and getting flown around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah, they do actually play chicken. And I'm thinking. He's got the tracker in the car. What are you worried about? Like, just don't jump on the car. Just get a vehicle and track him. And then I realized, like, no, because time's a, a, a factor here. Like, you've got to get this guy, like, right now. You can't, 
weight, tracking, whatever, because he could launch. Now he's got launch codes. You don't know where he's got the device. You don't know when he's going to launch it. You don't. So he can't give up. Ghost Protocol can't give up. Ghost Protocol can't give up. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, okay, yeah. So Michael Nightfist manages to get away, and we realise at that point that it is Michael Nightfist. Now, yeah, he, he pulls the mask off, and that's the only mask in the movie. There's plenty of stuff in the final forty-five minutes of this film that's really, really good. Yes. There's not. There's literally nothing wrong with it. The only problem that the film has is it had too great of an ambition in one sense with that phenomenal central 30 minutes that the rest can't possibly live up to that. And that's the only issue. It's not that it's not great. You know, so we go to India next, right? And you get Slim Dog Billionaire. Slim Dog? That's what I'm calling him. Okay. That actor. He's so slick. I want to call him Slim Dog Billionaire. Anil Kapoor is his name. Yeah, he's great. He's great. And he's got a lot of charisma. And I think he's excellent in this scene. He adds the comic element to the scene. Yeah. That, um, you know, Simon Pegg can't. I think, again, um, if... To be fair, there are some portions of the audience that might find the portrayal of that character slightly insulting. Yeah, because it's this cliche. It's, he's, he's, uh, the, he's the only... Indian character that has a speaking role in the film. Yeah. Um and yeah, he's a horn dog. He's a he's a bit of a goofy character as well. Yeah, and um he makes comments about Indian people or whatever that doesn't you know, so I, I admit, yes, it could be it could be offensive. And I think it's making more fun of billionaire playboys than it is making fun of I agree. Indian people. I don't think I just think it's they're in India and it's pretty Exactly. And, I think that's what it is. And, so, but, so that, again, the only reason that it's troublesome is from a point of view of representation. You have one part for an Indian I, guy, I and agree. you make him the laughing stock. Right, right, right. What I like about the the sequence in his um, mansion, though, apart from the fact that again the music is is excellent, and obviously Michael Giacchino is having a great time with it. Tom Cruise really takes a step back um, and lets the rest of the team run that part of the mission. Yeah. So Paula Patton gets to, I mean, she looks phenomenal. <laughs> There's no two ways yeah. about it. She yeah, really she does look really. amazing in that sequence. Yeah. But Jeremy Renner and Simon Pegg get to sort of forge their relationship. Yeah, they're, they're kind of, well, I'd say growing out, but not. They're not quite, <laughs> like, but they are, no. like Pegg gets to be Luther to Jeremy Renner's Ethan in yeah. that sequence. And yeah, Jeremy Renner exactly. does get the classic fall and stop just before you hit something moment. He does. More than yeah. Tom Cruise does. So this is my question. So we've been pretty heavily like talking directly about the movie, right? Uh-huh. Throughout this whole this whole episode. But this was the first moment in this scene where I kind of came out of it a little bit and I was like, is this maybe Cruise saying if I stop doing Mission Impossible movies, can I hand it over to Jeremy Renner? That was not Tom Cruise necessarily saying that. That was a studio decision, yes. Really? To say, can we possibly set up a team that could survive without Tom Cruise if he gets too old or he moves on? So yes, yeah. Jeremy Renner is being positioned as the replacement for Hunt. Which isn't bad. No, it's fine. But I I would not have enjoyed a next movie if it wasn't in... With Tom Cruise, you know, because the next movie, I think Tom Cruise really nails it well, in a totally different way, that's, I think. That's, we'll talk about uh, that. Uh, just, saying, just saying. Just saying. 
But yeah, no, it's a really, it's a really good sequence. And again, it is a good sequence. Building and it's up, not one of those cheesy nods to like, oh look, we did this thing where you fall from a great height and stop just below. We've done it before in two other films. But it again, it's it's really inventive. And I think as much yeah. as it's it, the ideas that are going on in the scene are standard. We need to infiltrate something. We need to steal something. Yeah, we need to server, distract someone. We need to turn get the, the fan codes. off. Yeah, it's going to get hot. The yeah, the elements of it, the fan yeah. and the little trolley with yeah. the magnets on it and the magnet and suit. Not only is it hot, it's hot, and he's wearing a chainmail suit yeah. under his suit. Exactly. Um, but that's pretty tense. That's pretty good. It's good, and that leads yeah. us into the final gambit, basically, which is that. Yeah. The missile actually gets launched. A nuclear missile is launched. It's on its way. And within three minutes, it's going to hit an American city. Something like that, yeah. So, Peg and Renner and Patton have to enable a satellite to communicate with the missile. That's right. So, Tom Cruise can disable it. By hunting down Michael Nightvist. Who's got the briefcase. And kicking the shit out of him, yeah. And again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that final action sequence where they're getting thrown around in cars in... It's not a factory, is it? It's like a super advanced car park. It is. That's exactly what it is. And that car park actually exists. No doubt. It wasn't just made for this movie. It's upward parking all the way. And you park in cylinders and you basically drive in. And the platform raises or lowers to the height that where your car is. And your car gets uh, like on a treadmill basically pushed off into the edge of the cylinder. So you go up the central bit and your car goes into the into the sides of the cylinder and it gets... You know, you have these all these levels, and it allows you to park loads of cars very close together um, without worrying about driving or hitting hitting each other. But what that means is that you've got all these levels with a massive drop in the middle, and the cars are being moved around on levees right. and platforms, and it's all being done automated in an automated way. Michael Nyquist, um, there's a point that they're fighting, they're jumping around all over the place. It's a little bit long. I would say, for me. Okay. I think that that sequence could be tightened up, but that's not a criticism. No, it's just it, saying... It's, it's, I know what you mean, because we've it, already got the ticking clock. It's so fucking tense. Yeah. And we've gone so, so like, from one to the next to the next. And it's like, yeah, you get a little bit of respite at the party. But the two, the two buttons on that scene, which I just yeah. think both of them are so badass, that really solidifies... Because I remember when I was seeing it the first time, I was thinking, okay, I get it. We've got the ticking clock. We've got the, the missile. I very much doubt this film is going to allow them to blow up a, an American city. So, you know, they're going to solve it somehow. How mm. can this not end up being an anticlimax after the Dubai sequence? The answer yeah. is two or three things for me. One yeah. is when Nightfish realizes he can't beat Hunt and he's not going to get away. And Hunt says to yeah. him, I'm going to get those codes. Yeah. So he just hugs what is essentially the nuclear football. That's it. And just backflips off a hundred foot drop and just allows himself to die far enough out of reach that Hunt won't be able to get to the deactivation button before the missile drops. Now that, that. It's it's a hundred foot drop. That's what they say. And he doesn't just hit the ground. He bounces off a car on the way down. Like his face, face plants into a windscreen. Yeah, but he's kind of happy. And he face plants into the windscreen. You see, he's still kind of alive, and his leg like Twitching. twitches. Yeah. Like, shit! And Tom Cruise is just looking like, yeah. how? And he he runs around, runs, jumps around, slides across the bonnet of a car, gets in the car really quickly. It's one of those push start cars, so he's kind of lucky. But 
you, you do need the key as well to push sure. those cards. Just say, just say. And uh, just nosedives. Hendrix is a man of will. I've got to be a man of will. Right. That's the only way. Like, if if there's going to be nuclear war anyway, if I don't do this, why don't I just do this? Like, pretty much everyone I know and love is going to die. Yeah. There'll be an apocalypse. So, and it's just, that's what Ethan Hunt's ability is to just, in the, in the moment, do that thing. And, and we're believing it. That's what, that's the skill of the storytelling in this, in this movie and other films in the franchise. And yeah, it's the airbag and everything is what saves him. He's pretty battered though still. Biggest laugh in the film for me. Yeah. He gets, he gets the briefcase open. He's sure that the satellite hookup's been done because he's got the best guys working on it. There's 20 seconds left on the clock. There's a big red button for him to mash. Michael Nightvist is still alive and looks across at him like, oh no, you're going to beat me. Yeah. <laughs> Cruz just goes, mission accomplished. Yeah. Bang, hits the button. Nothing happens because the satellite hookup hasn't been done. Yeah. Ultimately, great. it does happen. You get that awesome shot, though, of the, the missile just deactivating, but still ricocheting off a building. Yeah. And landing in a cool. river in Seattle. Yeah, it was pretty cool the way it did that. You actually said that? Yes. Out we're loud. not done yet. We're not done yet. Because who's there to retrieve <laughs> the missile, Alex? Uh, Ving Rains. Ving Rains. Luther. Ving Rains. And it, so we cut to the epilogue, which is beautiful. It's and great. we're going to have to it's we're going to really have to good. cut back to explain why it's so beautiful because we haven't mentioned it. And um, so you get Ving Rhames going. You actually said that out loud. <laughs> mission accomplished <laughs> over a beer. They're just yeah. They're post morteming the whole mission, and, and, and they look like it's cool. It's like the buddies that they have been, yeah. and and we're glad to see uh, Luther in this. Yeah, we're, definitely we're happy because I forgot, and I was thinking, oh, this is the first one without Ving Rhames. Yeah, and it no. isn't. It isn't. It isn't. You know, it really is without him. No, because it, in his one minute on screen, he's one hundred percent awesome. So they didn't. They didn't cheat Luther at all. <laughs> no, and again, and this is something I said at the beginning, which is relevant again now, which is that that's what the film does. The corny bits in the film, the bits that are unbelievable, the film speaks to. It says, "Yeah, we know." So we're going to have one of our characters say, I love it. That was unbelievable. And like, also, I can't believe you did that. But he does yeah. even call him corny. He's like, yeah, yeah. you're still corny or whatever. You're still corny, Ethan. <laughs> and the thing that's good about it is that also, you don't even really need that. Because in the moment, the film is telling you, it's not that cool. Like, you said Mission Accomplished, and it wasn't. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. So, so it's, that's why it's so excellent. Because and what it does is it allows you to say those things and get away with it. You know. Now, Ving Rhames has already been 100% awesome. He's got, a, he's got a little mission of his own. He's got to go and retrieve a nuclear warhead. Yeah, fine. So he gets up, puts his hands in his pocket like he's going to pay for the beers that him and uh, yeah. Hunt have had. And Cruz right. goes, you know I've got this. <laughs> what does he pull out of his pocket? A middle finger. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's yeah, it's really good. Bless him. Um, so just to cut back to explain the rest of the epilogue, and we're almost there, guys. Jeremy Renner's character has a little scene where where when, once he's busted that he's actually got field skills. He's explaining, while Tom Cruise is off, he's trying to get Bogdan. And when Jeremy Renner, so he's explaining, I've got skills. But he, Tom Cruise isn't there to hear this explanation. And he's saying why he's got skill to Simon Pegg and Paula Patton. And he basically tells a story where he was tasked with um, shadowing uh, Tom Cruise and Michelle Monaghan. 
it, at first it's a little bit like we feel a little bit cheated or at least I did watching this because I thought yeah fine okay you're not going to keep Michelle Monaghan in the franchise I understand um, and so you've got to kill her off somehow so it explains that Ethan Hunt's rogue again and he's free to carry on going on these missions and he's not going to settle down and be a married guy they lost the the girl the girl got kidnapped and you know Michelle Monaghan and she was killed and he, you know it was revealed like oh yeah and the couple was ethan hunt and then simon pegg's like no no way like they split up like she left him and it's like no that's not what happened she's dead so we think as audience members that she's dead and what happens ben well cruz hunt has a little post-mission briefing with pat and peg and renna to say it wasn't all just dumb luck this is yeah. the perfect team we no matter what else went wrong we got it right so and here's your missions. Yeah. He puts out three phones. Three iPhones. Choose to accept them, he says. Yeah, it's cool. It is cool. Peg's in. Patton's in. Yeah. They, they all get up to walk away. Renner's not in. He leaves the phone and he tells him why he's not joining the team. And the yeah. reason is, is that he is responsible for Hunt's wife's well, he, death. He feels responsible. He feels responsible. Well, he, he is directly responsible as far as he's concerned. So he could have warned them. Yeah, he could yeah. have warned them. And that's when Hunt reveals... No, you're wrong. She is not dead. Did you see the body? Yeah. So. And Jeremy Renner's like, no, but but those guys, you killed those Serbian guys. It was all part of a bigger plan. Cruz had to go to prison. He had to kill those six Serbs to protect his wife. Because he knows, much like Peter Parker or Bruce Wayne, people are always going to go after her to try and get yep. to him. So he needed to let her go. But on the other side of the river getting off a ferry, having just finished work, probably going to see, I think they're seeing this timing. Seattle Symphonic or something. Whatever. It's Jules. Yeah. And they share a look. And it's really actually very understated and quite moving. It, it, really moving. And it's like, that to me lends credence to the character development in the, and they could have easily just had him looking at her longingly and she doesn't even know he's there. There's something beautiful about it's like that bittersweet of like no no she knows he's alive and she knows that he's watching out for her there's something sad about it and it's like will she ever really move on or you know get closure live her life they clearly still love each other in that moment you'll see it you see that that's his whole thing is like kill 10 birds with one stone in that moment he's giving his mission briefing he's letting jeremy renner know subtly that you know it's not his fault so please be part of my team I don't blame you for anything. You didn't do anything wrong. I, I was 10 steps ahead of you back then. I'm 10 steps ahead of you right now. And and also now I get to give a loving, longing glance at my wife or ex-wife to let her know I'm out again. I'm not in prison anymore. It's a beautiful ending. And it ends, it ends this section of the franchise the best way possible and that's what makes it the best film of the franchise in, in lots of other endings you just sort of feel a bit empty or kind of cheated or like ah well fine that's just the end and comp- in, compared to the ending of Mission Possible 3 this was this is far oh, superior uh, far definitely superior. yeah but even Mission Possible 1 as well yeah and <clears throat> they do something that I don't think they've done before which is when they play the message of what the next mission is they refer to the syndicate which is actually the setup for the next film. They yeah. they already knew basically what the story for Rogue Nation was going to be, or they just knew they were going to have, the bad guys were going to be called the Syndicate. That's it. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's enough. That's, you just need one word. But it actually it, 
goes directly into the next film, whereas they've teased next missions at the end of previous films and then just done something completely different. And and what Cruz says is a mission statement for the franchise as well. This is the team. This is the team that we always wanted. This is the team that's going to be in the next film. Yeah. Although I don't believe Paula Patton is, which is a bit annoying. No. Just taking this film on its own is that it's it's complete. It's very satisfying film. And for all the reasons that we're harping on about how great it is, uh, the ending speaks to that exactly. So each scene has its own... Let, we're happy to move on to the next bit. You know, you're not left wanting more. You're satisfied with what you've just seen. Now, with all of that said, yes, there is a slight wrinkle that the Cruiserverse brings to the story that is told in that epilogue. Go ahead. If you wish to make a movie star from scratch, you must first invent the Cruiserverse. The real reason that he and Michelle Monaghan cannot be together. I mean, all yes. of the stuff that he says is true. Yeah. But there's an extra reason. There is. She found out that he'd been off philandering with June Havens in between. That's and right. that look at the end is, yes, Ethan, I do still love you. Yes, Tom, I do still love you. But I can't get over the fact that you ran away in time to save a woman's life that you met before you met me. And I'm pretty sure you slept with her. We don't have any proof that you did, but I'm pretty sure that you did. And that emotional infidelity is too much for me to handle. So, the Cruiserverse of Night and Day and Mission Impossible 4 sets up the rest of the Cruiserverse from now on. This is a tipping point or a turning point in the timeline of the Cruiserverse. What he's done by going back in time into Valkyrie, setting events into motion that lead in him into correcting the timeline to actually having a romance with Julie Gianni the way he was meant to, without going insane, without setting up this, the Vanilla Sky stuff, ruining his marriage with Michelle Monaghan. But that was important. He needed to do that because if she died, events would have cascaded, making it impossible for him to do a lot of the other stuff that we're going to see him do in the far future. Okie dokie. That's the Cruiserverse. Okie dokie. As we've gone through there, we have listed off some staples. Doing his own stunts, jumping off of things, looking done, taller done. than he is. Done. Running. Shirtlessness. Done. Running. Done. Holding his breath. Running. Totally done. Uh, one more, the voice of reason. Again, I just think it's throughout. It's such a strong staple of his character. It's there. I don't, I don't have a moment where he's clearly being... Oh, I did when he right. was... Um... There's a bit where he's talking to Wistrom, I wrote down. I can't remember what he says. Anyway. All right, but it's in there. Yeah, it's yeah, in yeah. there. Being rich? Yeah, but we've talked about Ethan Hunt and his unlimited supply. He's so, yeah, always it rich. It counts, it counts. Yeah. And he's good at it as well. He's very good at being rich. I got a flip out. Really? Kind of. Go on. Apart from when he's communicating with Simon Pegg and he gives him the fist. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's not a flip camera. out. That's not. just a... Come on, buddy. When he has jumped out of the server room and is running down the side of the building, and then he finds out that he's not got enough cord to jump back into the window, yeah. Jeremy Renner says to him, your line's not long enough. Yeah. And he goes, he does. No shit! <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's good. That is a flip out. Uh, just a little bit where Simon Pegg's explaining the gecko glove, the gecko power glove to him, like yeah. that helps him climb up with the glass. There's two lights. There's like a light on the back of each hand. Um, and he says, blue is glue. 
And he says, well, what's red? When it's red, dead. Yeah. You know, I like that. Um, and that is, I think, a little nod to Red Light, Green Light from Mission Impossible oh, okay. 1. Okay, yeah, okay. Which is nice. I love just that tiny moment of he's... The, the, when one of his gloves it fails and he's like, well, I'm done with that. So he takes it off and lets go of it. And it ends up like the wind has blown it like somewhere else onto the side of the building. And it's still stuck there. He finds it again. He's like, all oh, right, there's there's that glove. And then it just kind of dies and falls off. <laughs> it's the comedy like, noise it makes. So it like yeah, yeah. Boo, 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 and it yeah. flies away. And, then, and flies away. And it's like, again, that's a little tiny element that doesn't need to be there, but it's an addition. I like the thought, and I don't know that the film was explicitly saying this, that Tom Cruise was actually kind of happy in this Serbian prison. He was He's so bummed out about what he had to do to save Julia's wife, uh, life that he had, he had to like go to prison as a payment, as a punishment for it. I think he doesn't really care that he's in prison. That's how it seems to me. I think he was going through... It's like a holiday for him. Yeah, he's probably just glad to have some time off. Exactly. And there's, so I, I, I just like that thought. That it's not said explicitly, but I, I do like that thought. Peg's got some good lines. I yeah. like when they're in the um, the train carriage. The crew says, "Pack only what you need," and Peg goes, "Pack what you need." You never know. And he packs the glove and the mask machine. <laughs> but the funniest Peg line is when Cruz has made it back in. Like he does the jump, almost misses the window, bounces off. Renner catches him. He's getting dragged out the window. Patton grabs Renner. They drag all three of them back in. They're all sweating. They're all out of breath. And Peg just comes back into the hotel room, having done what he needs to do. He's like, whew, that was not easy, but I did it. (laughs) And your mate, the Interpol cop. Yeah. At the end, he sort of, he he figures it all out. He explains, like Tom Cruise is lying there, battered and bruised, clearly unable to move, barely able to speak. And he's just... He's working it all out and he explains it and Tom Cruise is going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that guy says to him, hospital? Yeah. (laughs) You're not my enemy. No, no, no. Hey, Ben, how about you tell me some numbers? Rightio. It's your numbers. Well, if you remember, the budget for Mission Impossible 3 was $150 million. Yes. The budget for Mission Impossible 4 was $145 million. Mm. So that four years later, five years later, they actually brought this in for less than the previous film. And I think they did a lot more in this one. So did they make more? Well, before I say, part of the reason that the budget may have been cut is because Tom Cruise took a reduced salary. Yeah. So his salary yeah. was a, a measly $12 million for this. Totally measly. But that's a 50% pay cut for him. Yeah, and only $1 million more than he got for Night and Day. Yeah. However, the worldwide gross, $695 million. That's huge. Not only the biggest film in the franchise, that's Tom Cruise's highest earner to date in just pure dollarage. Yeah. The runaway smash of 2011. This film overperformed. No, that's huge. It's double what Mission 3 did. It's your numbers. So is it a recommendation? Definitely. This is a recommendation if you don't like Tom Cruise, if you just like a, want a good action film, well told, with nice comedy moments, uh, definitely this is, uh, this is like a number one recommendation. Really high up there. 
I think as much as it ties into events from previous films, and obviously you're going to get more out of it if you've seen, especially the third film. I do... You just need to watch one and three. You don't need to watch two. Well, I think you could get away with just watching just this three. one. No, you're I think right. you could get away with just watching this one. This, oh, yeah, some of the too. stuff at that the end too. pays off yeah, if you've yeah, seen yeah. the previous films. But Yeah, but you know, if, you, if you're into binge watching, watch, a, watch one, three, and four. But, no... but what I'd say is, yeah. if you don't, if you're not massively bothered about the Mission Impossible films, but you do like a good action film, you have to watch this. It genuinely yeah, is. Yeah, it works. It's it works. It's an incredible yeah. technical film. It's a brilliant piece of entertainment. Yeah, it's very, very tense. Top 10 of all action films of all time. Speaking of which, let's rank it, man. Okay, okay. You go You go first. Well, I mean, I, I just unabashedly love this film. It's not about whether it's better than something like The Colour of Money or not. This is a supreme piece of entertaining cinema. So I'm putting it really high. I'm actually going to put it number four, just below Top Gun and above Jerry Maguire. That's exactly where I've put it, except the two either side of it I've got. It's just below The Colour of Money at number four. So I've got Rain Man, Mission Impossible 1, Colour of Money, then Mission Impossible 4, then Magnolia, Jerry Maguire. But it belongs up there, yeah. And before sitting down to watch it this time, I was very firm in my belief that Rogue Nation is my favourite in the franchise. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch yep. that one again, because this is really, really good. We'll see. We'll see how we feel. It might be the case that, like, it's one of those things where the one you watch most recently becomes your favourite. Yeah. And it, and that's why this list is becoming harder and harder. We said it last episode... I'm struggling to rank some of these. It does. It's starting not to make sense at all because so many of them are not comparable. They're such different movies. Don't You're loath to say which one was better. Mm. All that remains then is to say thank you for joining us for this mission. Yeah. And your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to join us next time for... Pretty sure it's Rock of Ages. Can you just check? It is Rock of Ages. But yeah, join us next time. For that. For Rock until of Ages, then. Yeah. Until then. Ben Ben can't do a woo. He can't oh, Is that what you want me to do? do. Okay. I was trying to get Ben. I'm gonna, to do, I'm gonna a woo do a good one. No, week. I'm gonna do a good one. Okay, go on. Do you want me to set you up again? Nope. Alright, you ready for it? Yep. Okay, man. Woo That was really good. Yeah. I've just been screaming the last few episodes. Wow Yeah, that's all I've been doing. <laughs> yeah. Like a cat. Bye. Don't forget, you can jack reach us at The Arnithology on Twitter, The Arnithology on Facebook, and The Arnithology at gmail.com. Bye.